Well, hello everyone. Uh, this is Data Driven Formula One. Uh, I'm Gana Pogrebna and I have Patrick Hans with me as always. Hello Gana. Pleasure to be with you again. Hi, hi Patrick. And uh, today we have uh, uh, another driver. Uh, well, not just another driver, but uh, very, uh, very, very interesting person to discuss, uh, Mike uh, Hawthorne. Um, who was a champion and retired the champion and he was the first British champion of the Formula One. So we will talk about him in detail today. Exactly that we're going to do. So there so, he uh, is. <laughs> so, so we're speaking about uh, John Michael uh, Horton, as you've said, uh, he was the first uh, British uh, racing driver to win a Formula One uh, championship. As we discussed a little bit at the end of uh, the last episode about the 1954 season, the, four, uh, the beginning has been quite like an Italian championship. We always had uh, teams from the uh, uh, UK uh, or um, France, but uh, let's say the top teams like uh, Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, Maserati, they, they won the championship and also uh, we saw mostly uh, not only it, uh, Italian, but let's say Latin um, drivers as uh, the uh, Italian ones, but also we had famous Argentinian ones uh, like uh, Fancho, uh, Gonzalez. Uh, uh, and you may relate this a little bit to the, to the similarity in culture between Argentina and uh, Italy as, Ital as Argentina is strongly shaped by its Italian uh, immigrants and you, you even uh, can hear this if you hear they are Spanish. It sounds like they speak with a slight Italian accent, which makes mm -hmm. it different from other Spanish-speaking countries. Uh, but back to uh, Michael Horton. So he was uh, the first one from the UK to win. And uh, he started with the British uh, BRM team, then changed uh, to this, to the uh, manufacturing team from uh, Ferrari. And after some years driving for Ferrari, having good uh, results, uh, finally he won the 58 uh, season. And after winning, um, uh, he promised uh, his girlfriend he would uh, retire, what he did. And uh, this may be also not only be related to his uh, victory, but be also related uh, uh, to the loss of some of uh, one of his friends and maybe also to his uh, personal uh, health. Yeah, yeah, we will, uh, we will discuss this in detail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that's uh, kind of, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, so, so he was very, very young when he died. He was 29 when he died. Um, and, uh, you know, so quite a, so I just um, when I when I look at him um, uh, again, this is uh, something that probably will reemerge in this episode. I just think about him as very very human, uh, very kind of in touch with his feelings person, and uh, you know also. So I, th I think that he he was. Um, a little bit. I mean, uh, I'm, of course, I'm not a psychiatrist, but um, I, uh, it, it was a little bit like when I looked at his actions. Uh, it he looks a little bit like a person who 
uh, has this kind of post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, in, in the sense that I don't mean like it in a bad way, but, you know, like right after he uh, retired, I mean, the circumstances under which he died very much reminded the racing circumstances. So like as soon as he kind of, it's, it's kind of, it, it kind of tells you that uh, when you, when you are used to this uh, risk, uh, kind of high risk taking, uh, you, when you stop doing it, you, uh, kind of try to return to it <laughs> because you want to feel, I guess, the same way. So maybe it was not a very good idea for him to retire, you know, after yes, all, uh, because yes, at least you were under controlled, con like you risk under more or less controlled, controlled conditions. In, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I agree with you. He, he, he is, was very human with uh, his good sides, maybe with his lesser good sides. But I think somebody, and we will discuss it, uh, who really lived uh, on the edge, and maybe you may relate this also to his uh, health condition. Not yeah. to give any spoilers here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay. So let's go into his maybe early life first. Um, yeah, so he was uh, he was born in Yorkshire, right? Uh, so that should be on the next slide. Um, and um, yeah, so he is um, um, he was yeah, so he was he was born in a family where uh, you know he's I think he yeah, kind of reminds me. Um, uh, as the Ascari family in, in mm -hmm. that sense, because, you know, um, uh, so his father, like I've got, I just, I just noticed there is a, a typo on, on, on the slide. His father, that's what I meant. His father, Leslie, uh, he owned a, a, a tourist trophy garage um, uh, and the family lived in Yorkshire, like I said before. And basically, um, this the, the, this business, uh, this father, his father's business, allow like it meant that they could basically showcase and also repair some of the cars like Ferrari um, yes. and uh, so like luxury cars. And uh, his father was also an like very enthusiastic motorcycle racer. Um, and um, yeah, eventually he died in a road accident in 1954. But I mean, of course, like uh, uh, the, uh, the father of Alberto Ascari, he he died in a in a racing uh, in a racing accident. But I think it's also like a lot of similarities there. So his uh, dad died pretty young, and uh, you know, the the good thing about I think uh, uh, Mike, Mike uh, Houghton's childhood is that his dad was really supportive of his uh, um, aspirations to race. And uh, uh, Mike even went to, um, had a very kind of uh, relevant education. So uh, he went to the Sidenley College and then Chelsea Technical College and then even completed an apprenticeship after his, he studied his studies. and. Uh, Basically, uh, he he really wanted to have something to do with cars, so you know, engineering anyway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, he won he his uh, his first uh, trophy in Brighton, uh, and this is this race is kind of one of the oldest British races, and it's called Brighton National Speed Speed Trials. 
Um, and yeah, so I think uh, that kind of jump started his career, right? Um, yeah, like I said uh, before, when we when we discussed 1954 season, um, um, yeah, Cooper was a good car to start with, and uh, he was in this Cooper Bristol car. Uh, uh, in 1952 in Formula 2 competition and was spotted by Enzo Ferrari and offered a job as a, as a work drive uh, and he took the opportunity and here uh, you see the picture with uh, where he is in 1953 uh, with Enzo Ferrari uh, in Monza and uh, yeah, so basically he even got the chance to race uh, in 1952 uh, in Formula One and he was uh, in this Belgium race in Spa-Francorchamps circuit and uh, he even came fourth, which was quite a, an amazing result for such a young guy. Exactly, and uh, just uh, to add, I mean, he uh, wasn't uh, just by chance that he got the opportunity. I mean, he uh, the team where he drove uh, for was by his uh, father. So his father, in the beginning, even uh, financed uh, his way into Formula One. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, that's, the, the, the family support is very important, I think, for all. When we look at all young drivers, I mean, we will see this with Lewis Hamilton in particular. <laughs> so, like, you can see that a lot of parents of, Formula, of the modern uh, Formula One drivers uh they they're really supportive of this it's a very expensive it's a very expensive uh, hobby for uh, for a young kid and uh yeah i mean back in the day probably was slightly easier um but uh, you know now it's definitely very expensive uh, to 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 try to support your child in, in this uh, in this type of career and uh, a lot of parents deserve a lot of admiration <laughs> for, for for kind of pushing the kids to 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 this yeah so it was a, he was a little bit like uh, today with Lance Stroll that his father really uh, he uh, built up a, a formula 1 team just uh, for his son to race so it's not just that he pushed him financed him but they really uh, Leslie uh, Horton did uh, a formula 1 team with just uh, Mike as the driver mm -hmm. exactly exactly so so yeah i mean um, I, I really like this picture, just a, yes. a fantastic outfit. <laughs> this is from 1956. Uh, this is Silverstone, of course, and uh, this is uh, my cousin, as you can see, uh, is, is there just looking at the, um, looking at the circuit. Um, uh, we've discussed when we discussed 1953. We discussed the, ra the race of the century in in Reims or Remy, yeah. uh, the French Grand Prix, and uh, so that was also a very significant race for him because uh, it was his winning winning race. And um, yeah, so I think uh, this probably even more jump started his career because he quickly managed to get some results um, and uh, was kind of being taken seriously by by Ferrari at that stage and uh, was able to do things <laughs> in the team so that's good yeah um, yeah another important um, important point is like his military service not only became a, a, a a question of controversy, a big controversy, but also was discussed at the level of House of Commons because he was uh, such a visible uh, person. 
you yeah. know, there the were arguments that he skipped his compulsory uh, inscription. And, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, he had the health problems and he just couldn't, couldn't enroll yeah. uh, for that reason. But yeah, it did come into light and there was a public discussion about this at, at a very high level in England. Um, yeah. Next item, it's a very uh, serious uh, health um, a problem which, uh, which, um, May lead, uh, we can discuss it later on a, from a psychological point of view. Maybe it also shaped uh, his uh, character, his uh, psychology, mm -hmm. because uh, he, he had been aware that uh, with this maybe he would not uh, get uh, too old. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, but also I think uh, it was a combination, right? So he's. His dad uh, passed away in 1954, so sure. that, and I think it just was also, he was very, very connected and nurtured by, uh, by his family, so which, which contributed, could have contributed. And then, um, yeah, so then, and then we will also talk about the tragic events of Nürburgring Nür in 1958. Yes. So uh, uh, just to add, I mean, there are uh, sometimes there are some psychological studies that something like um, uh, risk taking uh, you learn also from your parents. Uh, for example, we have this uh, here in the US, we have the Kennedy family where a lot of members uh, died in accidents or quite young. And uh, there are some studies that uh, in the, Ken the Kennedy family, sorry, uh, uh, you always have been quite, uh, you learned from your parents uh, to live very risky lives and maybe this was also uh, true for Mike as uh, his uh, father drives motorcycles, which also is very risky and maybe it's even more risky than Formula One. Yeah, yeah, indefinitely. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so he only briefly, when we showed you the, the summary, that uh, Michael actually drove for one wall team, uh, which was a British team. Uh, and um, this was again because he um, uh, he had a, a, a pretty bad uh, incident in Syracuse and uh, he, he, he suffered burns there. And then he, his, like his father passed away, like I said, in 1954. And uh, he basically uh, inherited the business of his dad and uh, he was kind of hoping to spend more time in, in England. Uh, so that was the, the reason why he decided to leave Ferrari. He actually, it was not a, it was a kind of more of a family kind of pressure decision, but uh, he only lasted two races with one wall and went straight back to Ferrari after that. So um, yeah, in that sense, he was, um, um, he was, quite ambitious i think he he realized uh, you know that some um, some of the opportunities were probably not worth it and still continued yeah. with but also probably i'm i'm just also thinking like in terms of um indeed uh, you know uh, uh, um Enzo, uh, Enzo Ferrari is not uh, the guy that you can leave very easily. <laughs> I think there probably was some resistance as well. And even though, like, uh, you know, like we said before, um, after Ascari, Enzo Ferrari didn't have any, like, personal attachments to drivers. I think still, like, uh, he probably had his, his say in, 
in 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 this decision of 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 Mike Horton to come back to Ferrari and yeah. and uh, continue racing for them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, so um, that is um, a very tragic event uh, mm -hmm. in 1954. The 24-hour Le Mans uh race um it yeah so amazing um like it was it was an amazing race but uh it was completely overshadowed by uh the tragic event uh when the majority of um rules were changed as a result right in, in terms of safety rules at least for the spect spectators and we stopped seeing the street racing after that um yeah when basically there was a, a, a collision let's just say it was a collision and uh, as a result of this collision yeah also about this yeah 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 yeah, so this is pretty much uh, pretty much it. Uh, so yeah, as you can see, there was a, like, there were basically multiple cars involved here, and uh, as a result of this collision, and you know, uh, Mike uh, was involved in this, um, um, and uh, yeah, it, as a result of this, eighty-four people died uh, who were in the um, yeah who were watching. There were the spectators. Exactly. In the first uh, investigations, uh, it was also uh, analyzed uh, if he was somehow uh, responsible because uh, he drove the first uh, green uh, Jaguar going into the pits. But after this, it was uh, concluded. Uh, uh, I mean, somehow uh, the Jaguar uh, triggered uh, as he became slower and go to the right, but it was nowhere their fault as it was what you. Uh, Quite normal actions what I did. So even you may say uh, the Jaguar triggered the the whole circumstances. It was uh, clearly not uh, Mike Horton's uh, fault. This accident, but of course uh, it may have later on psychologically had a strong impact uh, on him as a person and as a driver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So 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 like we said before. Um, the work, the these um, uh, accident, um, well, accidents, collisions when the spectators would be uh, basically the yeah the, the suffering side uh, happened quite often. So we've we talked about Nina Farino uh, mm -hmm. driving into people and you know multiple other people, multiple other drivers had the same issues and it was. Basically, part of the issue was, of course, that uh, the circuits were not properly protected. Uh, mm -hmm. So it was very easy to get, uh, yeah, to basically endanger your life or lose your life. And, you know, I think 24-hour Le Mans is particularly, uh, particularly difficult because it's just so much pressure on a driver and it's so easy to, to make a mistake. Um, and... Uh, uh, just not only emotionally exhausting, physically exhausting, if anything, yeah. because you're not uh, you're not driving for an hour. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, yeah. So in, uh, of course people change and all, all that, and you have some resting times, but it's it's incomparable experience. Yeah. So so yeah. Basically, this was um, a very. Um, uh, 
um, very tragic event and uh, we discussed this before with Patrick that it had uh, uh, rule, uh, rules changed uh, as a result for, you know, in terms of safety, you know, safety regulations. And in fact, uh, in several countries like Switzerland, the racing, street racing was basically banned. So you cannot, you cannot race anymore. I mean, this, yes. these circuits that you were able to race in 1950s. And uh, uh, as uh, also as uh, based on this accident, uh, Mercedes decided to leave uh, motor racing uh, completely after the 54 uh, season. And it took uh, many decades, uh, more than 40 years uh, for them to return first to sports cars and uh, then to Formula One. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. this is... Uh... Okay, Luigi Musa. <laughs> I mean, this is also a, a very uh, interesting topic. And as we uh, concluded in the beginning, he was uh, very human. And I think he was uh, similar to others, uh, uh, living quite uh, on the limits, uh, on, on the edge. And uh, this makes you uh, vulnerable. Uh, to affect which we call uh, ethical blindness. So uh, I, I assume uh, he wouldn't, uh, he didn't want to harass uh, Luigi uh, Musso, but uh, uh, Musso, uh, as he was in the Ferrari team, they had practically, it was him and the two uh, British driver. And, yeah. uh, him and Peter Collins, right? Uh, yeah, it yes. was Houghton uh, and Peter Collins, who was his friend and, uh, you know, very, very close friend. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, these uh, two British guys, they, uh, they had been close friends, they uh, cooperated, meaning they, sh they uh, shared their, their money for, for victories, uh, but they, uh, it was just, uh, even if they all drove for the uh, Ferrari team, it was just uh, an agreement between the two and uh, Luigi was uh, left outside, which uh, he perceived as uh, harassment. And uh, uh, especially in the Ferrari team, Enzo Ferrari was normally no one uh, who, on the other hand, he was uh, some, uh, someone from whom uh, people told that he uh, supported the rivalry between the drivers because he thinks with the rivalry, uh, people get uh, closer to their limits and to, uh, to this, uh, based on this, can they achieve uh, better results. So he wasn't somebody who stopped uh, such kind of rivalry between the drivers. So, uh, I mean, today in, in companies or in other kind of organization, harassment is a very uh, important topic. We all receive uh, harassment training, uh, not only for the fact that we actively uh, want to act bad against other people, but uh, many times uh, uh, we unconsciously um, have a bias against other people or yeah, our yeah. behavior could be perceived bad uh, against uh, somebody else. And uh, often, especially here in the US, we discuss this also related minority uh, groups as based on different backgrounds, you perceive behavior differently. Uh, so we uh, so uh, companies, um, uh, try uh, to foster empathy uh, uh, inside the workforce, especially empathy against uh, minority uh, groups. 
uh, up to that this became a very important topic uh, when we speak about uh, artificial intelligence as these biases are also uh, implemented in the algorithms uh, logically as they are programmed by humans and I think this as um, Mike Horton was somebody uh, human living on the age uh, in this living on the edge, maybe he not saw that he negatively affected the Luigi Musso in that example. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I, th I think this is one of the very interesting cases uh, of unconscious bias um, and what it could lead to because, you know, as a result, uh, Luigi Musso actually lost his life. I mean, that's, I think, coming up on one of the next slides. But... Um, you know, just uh, increased uh, risk taking for this entire operation. And, uh, you know, it kind of tells you, like teaches you a lesson of um, at organizational level, what it could, but what it could do, right? Uh, because, you know, many people just think, okay, well, yeah, I mean, there is unconscious bias, but, you know, so what? Um, so here's what here's what 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 could happen you know what could happen if 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 this if this type of stuff perpetuates and it's 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 about how people feel right how how it's maybe like like uh, um, like we're discussing here it might be not intentional it may be something you know the two two mates you know just you know deciding to share the price money. And all of a sudden, they completely, uh, yeah, have have this, uh, um, um, yeah, co completely uh, create an unfair competition situation with someone else on the team. Yes. And, and, and I mean, not only the effect on, on Luigi Musso, but also on this video. I mean, uh, as she stated uh, here, uh, that uh, she really feels uh, relief that uh, Mike Horton uh, and Collins died, which is, I mean, also showed uh, how much uh, all these actions uh, affected her. And she brought here an example. Uh, she went uh, from the hospital to the uh, Ferrari team and uh, they, they, uh, there she saw uh, Collins and Horton uh, playing football outside the hotel just uh, some hours after his, uh, their colleague died in the hospital, mm -hmm. which, I mean, which from a psychological point of view, you may also uh, interpret that uh, that dying uh, was uh, something, was a reality for these uh, drivers as uh, even not so much in the races uh, in Formula One, but uh, in training, it, it uh, happened quite often that a certain number of drivers died every, uh, every year. So, um, so you may say that they, as they lived on the edge, they really wanted to enjoy their life up to the extreme because uh, every, every day could be their last day. So they're not, they've been maybe unempathetic uh, to dying to the death uh, in opposite uh, to uh, Musso's uh, widow. And this is the reason why let's say they played soccer outside the hotel the moment uh, Musso was dying in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also think it kind of is a little bit, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very young guys. Yes. Uh, when, you know, when, so we, we, we expect uh, that, uh, uh, of course, that we expect empathy. And currently, I think, 
people do have empathy and at a from a very early age. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, I think, uh, you know, these are, uh, this, the, uh, the, this, the, these people probably saw like just cars all their lives and, uh, you know, thought about competitions all their lives. And, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, maybe, you know, the emotional maturity was not, was not just wasn't there and maybe also not uh, something that they uh, so in, in, in the sense that because there was this these these there were these tensions right um, it, it's it's yeah it's hard to expect from them to be uh, empathetic uh, but um, yeah it's definitely uh, definitely worth noting that you know this. So again, the, that's another lesson that uh, Formula One teaches us about unconscious bias and where it could lead. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, with this uh, we coming uh, to the death and uh, as we discussed, uh, I don't know if it was in the beginning of this episode or in the one about uh, the 54th season. It, Life and death is a little bit similar um, to Alberto Ascari, who also died uh, very young and uh, died in a private uh, ex uh, car accident and not uh, uh, inside uh, racing and, um, itself. And also it's a little bit um, mystically, uh, it is, there's a similarity that also their fathers died uh, uh, in similar ways so um yeah 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 definitely definitely i think uh, in terms of uh, yeah i think in terms of um you know uh it, it there are similarities in 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 the in sense that you know the the could have been yeah, like we don't know for sure but there could have been a racing element to the death uh uh of of mike Hawthorne, but um essentially um yeah, so so he was uh, he was basically driving this this Jag uh, 3.4 MK uh, from 1959, and he just uh, like we said uh, with Patrick, he just retired. He retired when he got um, his uh, his championship. Um, he was a world champion, and um, there was um, uh, there was um, uh, basically. Um, he was basically on his on his way to London uh, on a very wet road and a very um, dangerous, yeah. uh, dangerous, uh, uh, dangerous place. But uh, also, the there was a speculation, at least that I mean, we know that we know, we know for a fact that uh, Rob Walker was was with him. Uh, yeah, I and think he later, he, he, uh, decades later, he uh, admitted uh, that they have been doing something like a private road race, which he declined uh, when the accident had happened uh, because uh, for uh, reliability reason, because they uh, breached, mm -hmm. uh, of course, the law with having a, a race on private streets. Yeah, uh, so if you don't don't know who Walker is, he basically owned a private uh, team. <laughs> so yeah. he was he had the it's very very interesting, um, very uh, the also very very interesting career. So unfortunately, I couldn't find a photo that we could show you. But um, uh, if you Google him, you will find his his pictures as well. 
And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely the similarity with Ascari is that, you know, like with Ascari, it was a Monza track, but it was off, like if it was not a racing event, but it was a kind of testing. And uh, he wasn't, he was also with his mate and he was not supposed to be in a car. Like here, like here, he, here, here, Mike, obviously, you know, he was just driving a regular car and, uh, but there was a racing element, most probably was. Uh, most probably, and, and uh, uh, but uh, supporting the mystery uh, about his life and death, is there are also other um, series, uh, as we uh, discussed, uh, he has the kidney uh, problem and uh, uh, he may, uh, it was expected, uh, uh, some say that he only had like three more um, years uh, to live uh, due to this infection. This could have, uh, let's say, directly uh, lead to the accident as maybe uh, he had a blackout because uh, he had this uh, blackouts uh, from time to time. So this may have uh, happened uh, in this uh, situation or uh, also, another idea is uh, if you know that uh, you are having um, a fatal illness, only uh, some more uh, months or years to live, maybe uh, you wanted to, to enjoy life uh, up to the extreme, up to the limit, uh, even if this would uh, higher the risk of dying in an accident, as maybe you, he would have preferred, let's say, um, to die in a place of glory, like in an accident, than somewhere in a hot, uh, hotel bed. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, I mean, uh, if you um, again, if you if you if you um, uh, search for information on uh, my cotton de cotton's death, that's, I think within hours of his death, there was already like a shrine near you know the place where he died. So there were like flowers and all sorts of things. Uh, the corner, so the, well, sorry, not the corner, but the place where he died, was very, um, was very dangerous, and there were like 15 accidents uh, in the previous two years there, and two were fatal. So I mean, it was not, um, in a sense, and that's in in that sense, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So I think it was just, uh, you know, just unfortunate. Uh, um, yeah, un un unfortunate circumstances and uh, just a uh, uh, chain of events that led to that, to that, uh, led him to that uh, uh, accident. But, um, oh, but on the other hand, you know, I also think, like I said before, I just find that he probably, like the fact that he was most probably attempting to race on a, like on a regular road just tells you that he couldn't quite quit racing yeah. and it, it probably was premature for him to do that. Um, so because he was just, uh, probably he could have done a lot more in racing and he just wanted to race. It's like similar, like you see in uh, soldiers, you know, who come from, uh, uh, places like Afghanistan or something, and then they can't go back to normal life, so they have to kind of constantly relieve uh, the same risk situations. Yeah. So I, I, I find uh, like he, like Mike Holton's legacy very similar to that. Uh, but I mean, I just I just think that he was a very he was really amazing talent, and uh, like the parallel that we could probably make now is uh, with Lewis Hamilton, right? So also very, very young, uh, quickly developed talent. 
Yep. Um, so, so, and 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 um, you know, I think uh, you know, despite the, all this the different dimensions of this uh, of this character, I think it's still uh, we can we can say that he was very. Um, yeah, so he was very, very much in touch with his feelings. Yeah. Unlike uh, some other people that we discussed who were very kind of considerate of uh, the risk and calculating and, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Okay, this, yeah, tak. This was a little bit the case. Uh, he was uh, driving. Uh, so as we said, uh, he started in form, and, and uh, we limit. Uh, we are limited here to just uh, Formula One. He mm -hmm. started in uh, '52, driving for his uh, father's uh, little Formula One team using the British Cooper Bristol. And with this car, this was uh, honestly not on a technical uh, level uh, than the Ferraris at that year. He could uh, achieve a fourth prize, a fourth uh, position. Uh, which uh, brought him on uh, the radar of Enzo Ferrari, uh, who hired him then uh, already for the next year. Uh, and let's say in the beginning, he was, he was uh, uh, very talented, uh, not uh, competing directly uh, about around winning the championship, but got good positions, forced. So uh, then... Uh, uh, only 26, also based as he not drove the uh, whole uh, season. Then uh, tried to go to uh, BRM, switched back to Maserati, and uh, finally went uh, to Ferrari again. Mm -hmm. uh, first year back, fourth position, and then finally, as we spoke uh, in 1958, he won the championship, and with this had been the first British uh, racer to do so. Yeah, yeah, so exactly, and um, I think um, I think this kind of um, also also showcases the um, uh, also the power of the Ferrari, <laughs> and not only engineering, but but uh, thinking of Enzo Ferrari uh, in in that he was uh, very good at sporting uh, sporting talent, you know. Yeah. Uh, so he spotted, uh, yeah, so indeed, like like you said, uh, Patrick, uh, there was, of course, a lot of help. Yeah. But uh, you still have to impress. <laughs> and so Ferrari, I doubt that you would just go for any boy from from England, especially, <laughs> you oh, know. Right. So yeah, I think you had to be good. Um, and uh, he yes. was good. Uh, Mike was good uh, on the road. And so, so that's... Uh, uh, that's something that we cannot really take away from him, and uh, you know, in, 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 despite all the kind of lumps and bumps in that in in, in his in his career and in his character, uh, he was a very good driver. And uh, you know, I think joining joining the the team uh, as even as a work drive uh, at a very early age is a big achievement. And uh, uh, you know, most people spend their whole life. <laughs> In, in that position as well, so of course yeah. he he had an opportunity he and he used it, uh, but uh, yeah I think this 1958. Um, so also I think it's it's amazing how he rebuilt himself after Le Mans because um, we saw with several people you know with kind of this major incidents mm -hmm. like that they would stop racing completely, 
or they would be afraid of racing or, you know, like all things like psychological things would happen. And I think it was very difficult for him to go back, uh, to go, to go back into, you know, in, in like racing, racing again for Ferrari after his father's death. But, uh, the fact that he managed to do that and, you know, in, in just basically three years, he, he became first. Uh, yep. just tells you like you can you can see like how, how amazing that is from 26 to first even though like yeah in 55 he didn't race the whole season that's 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 fair to say but um still you know i think i think that's an amazing progress and uh, also shows the strengths of the character so i think it's like a, uh, i think i feel uh, to me he's quite an emotional person but very uh still very driven by you know, his goal to be a champion. Yeah, I would agree. And okay. just to, uh, to show what we episode, uh, always discussed, uh, the pilots uh, back in these years, they not only drove uh, Formula One, but many of them also drove sports car. And uh, Mike uh, uh, drove this very beautiful uh, Jaguar in British racing green. And this is the car uh, which he also drove for the 1955 uh, Le Mans race. So this is the car with uh, which he uh, won this uh, important race and also unfortunately somehow triggered uh, the accident. Even, and I'm repeating myself, uh, there was really no fault uh, uh, from his side. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, but again, like just to look at this car, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the the, uh, the well Jaguars in general. I mean, I I, I know I know you're a fan of Ferrari, <laughs> Patrick, but I do like Jaguars. I mean, this is this is just uh, um, amazing. And like I said, uh, when we talked about uh, 1954 season, I showed you some pictures from uh, uh, the Coventry Museum. You can see a lot of Jaguars in Coventry Transport Museum, and uh, there is a whole. I think. Now, like last time I was there, there was like almost a whole floor of, 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 of various Jaguar makes from uh, racing to uh, just luxury cars and uh, definitely very interesting to look at the, the development of engineering. Yes, and uh, just to add, uh, even Enzo Ferrari famously said that the Jaguar E-Type was the most uh, beautiful car. Yeah. yeah. With this, we're coming uh, to the quotes. There's not much uh, from uh, Mike Hortons. I think the, the first one uh, quite uh, interesting and uh, it makes uh, the whole circumstances uh, of his death uh, again uh, mysterious. He said uh, the roads are getting proper death traps. If you ask me, the racetrack is safer than the road between Farnham and London. Yeah, so exactly. Is this uh, confirmed uh, what he said earlier? Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's why I'm I'm just not uh, you know I'm not that uh, I'm not a big fan of any conspiracy theories. I think it's just was uh, you know coincidental. You know, I, I agree with with you, but let's say uh, these mysterious parts uh, help uh, later to build up the legacy of Formula One in, in general and of this driver. Mm -hmm. yes, you have somehow but definitely, yeah, yeah, but definitely there are a lot of parallels, right, with Ascari, for example, yeah. like we see 
like there are these generations basically of people who are just you know very driven in in their goal to to be very good at racing and um yeah it is risky we have this also this parallel to Giuseppe Farina even if he retired much uh, much uh, later not much later age than Horton but he also had the deadly accident in a British car mm -hmm. exactly yeah um, and uh, in the last quote uh, the question why did you retire is much nicer one than why don't you retire uh, I mean, this could be related. I assume uh, as he retired in quite a young age for that time, so quite unexpected. In opposite to others who really drove uh, nearly in uh, their 50s in Formula One. Yeah, I think it's uh, like with the sleets, a lot of them are saying that it's better to retire, retire a bit too early than uh, way too late. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there is definitely danger of that, but I think it's just also kind of showcases his personal struggle with this whole thing because he um, he really he really wanted to be the the world champion, and finally when he got it, he decided, you know what, like it's probably time for me to to stop. Um, but again, like I don't think it was his. Uh, I, I don't think like I don't think it was what he wanted ultimately because the. The, his death is kind of kind of confirms that he was not fully yes. ready to quit. Fully ready to quit. The circumstances at least tell us that. Yes, I completely agree with you on that point. Yeah, mm. yeah. Behavior, like I said before, the character uh, to me is. Um, yeah, very. Unlike other people that we discussed, I think he was very, very human. Yes. Not as calculating as others and very uh, in touch with his feelings person. Yep. Um, and probably much affected by his um, close circle, uh, you know, unlike many other people, I think, in, in the sport. Yeah. Uh, so he needed the support and he also was fed by that support. And um, um, you mentioned Patrick with Peter Collins, I think, with, with uh, the, the death uh, of his friend, uh, because Peter uh, uh, died in Nürburgring um, yeah. in 1958. So that also contributed, like it was one of the reasons potentially for Mike to retire early. Um, because he basically suffered within, you know, within four years, he suffered two very two deaths of very important people in his life. And that yes, was, uh, of course, his I father mean, and, and Peter, yeah. Uh, what we not uh, included here, uh, it seemed that due to his kidney disease, he had was also suffering from blackout. So maybe this is something uh, which, which, mm -hmm. he, which he had known at that time and maybe also forced him to go out of racing because uh, imagine having a um, a blackout uh, inside the race, uh, this would be uh, fatal for you and uh, for the spectators, uh, depending where you have it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you could uh, go to the next uh, slide uh, where we see, uh, yeah. I think we see Mike. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Um, yeah, I think uh, notable, um, yeah, to me, the most, uh, of course, the most, most notable uh, Accident, I think the accident of his career is, of course, Le Mans. It didn't happen in Formula One, but, you know, 
uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, um, like I said, Peter Collins' death as well was important. Um, in terms of uh, his uh, strategy, I would say that, um, you know, he's uh, this like a kind of emotional part in him also allowed him to achieve quite a lot, like where others wouldn't, uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't maybe take the opportunity, like in this, uh, uh, the race of the century, right? The, the French yeah. race in, uh, in, in Rheims and in Remy. Uh, where he took an opportunity and uh, he won, uh, I think, and it was only because he was maybe less calculating than the, than the people around him. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm just uh, seeing on, on the photo as uh, our last episode was on 54, where we spoke a lot about the famous Lancia di 50. Uh, this is the 56th season, so this is uh, at that time. Uh, the, it was already a Fa the Ferrari Lancia D50, which should win the championship. Mm -hmm. But this we will discuss later. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so but just uh, just coming back to 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 to, yeah. to Mike Hawthorn is you know I think that stra strategically he was very and also you know another thing that uh, I forgot to say and I wanted to say like in preparation for this episode is his loyalty. Right. It's just a, like if you look at his career, like there are not many opportunities that he took. He pretty much raced for Ferrari. Like, yeah, he had like original team. Then, you know, he was had a, had this one deviation after the death of his dad, uh, more yeah. or less. But then he was almost always like with the same within the same kind of family. Right. Exactly. So, so and, that, and that also kind of tells you how much uh, he, I think, dependent on support. So yes. he always needed this support. Um, I agree, and it shows uh, that uh, this uh, emotional part that he really needed a positive uh, environment or mm -hmm. he searched for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he, he I think, uh, used it wisely as well, but, but you know, that, that was important. And uh, this is something, again, um, we need to, again, emphasize here that he was very young compared to... Uh, the average <laughs> average yes. driver at the time uh, so he was much younger and i think that was also why he needed this support of you know of yes. uh, uh of, of people around him and when he uh, lost that support he was a little bit kind of left uh, without uh, you know with with nothing to 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 rely on, uh, and uh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, like to me, I think that's also part of the problem, which probably was uh, makes his death kind of a logical step. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, we are coming uh, practically to the end about speaking about the legacy. Always with your question, how would you describe Mike Horson in one sentence? Mostly I never find one sentence, um, but this time, uh, yes. Uh, if you look at uh, Mike, uh, he reminded me a little bit, uh, and uh, this only you will know if you have seen the movie Blade Runner, to uh, um, one of the uh, replicants played by the Dutch actor Radke Hauer because uh, of their uh, physical appearance, they look a little bit uh, the same uh, because they've been very uh, light uh, blonde. 
Also, Mike Horson uh, was mentioned in the British news as the uh, golden uh, boy. So you may say, and what, what we say for Formula One at that time, he was very, very young. So he became quite uh, early successful. He lived uh, somehow uh, his long life uh, up to the limit. So I uh, took uh, this one sentence from the movie, which said, the light that burns twice as bright burns half as long and you have burned so very, very brightly. So I think uh, this is something from my point of view, we can also <coughs> to Mike. <coughs> <laughs> this is Patrick's dog. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah, we'll just, uh, we, uh, I think I will just agree with you on that. I think uh, your dog's, uh, dog agrees as well with us. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that was a sign of agreement. But yeah, I just, I just want to say that um, definitely. Uh, so I, I just think that uh, for those of you guys who are out there and listening to this and who are fans of my court, and then we discussed a lot of kind of controversial things here. It's not for the lack of respect. We think that he was a great guy. But uh, we just wanted to kind of showcase all the sides of his character. And, uh, and definitely, you know, but I mean, uh, he, he was a very bright star of the sport. And definitely, I think one of the kind of new wave drivers, the younger drivers that we, we saw kind of winning the competition very early. And, uh, and you know, uh, this kind of shows you what happens when you nurture your talent from a very young age and you have support of other people exactly and i think that this is a very important point he was uh, really uh, the f for the first time in formula one uh, a new generation uh, there's not have been the the old heroes maybe already started before the second world war but he really was uh, a young guy different different mindset uh, different yeah. uh, yeah, and, and also I think he made uh, his vulnerability his strength, right? With the right conditions, you can yeah. make your vulnerability your strength. And exactly. that's like really, really the cool thing about him. Exactly. So on that happy note, we will leave it there. And uh, yeah, join us uh, next for 1955 episode and we'll see you next time. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And uh... Hope you join us the next time. Thank you. Thank you.